In this episode, I will talk about music from Drive-By Truckers, Neil Young, Craig Fenn, Block Party, and Chamber Band, and I'm also going to be talking about books by Mel Brooks and Neil Gaiman. This one's all over the place. I should really have a guy who's responsible for outlining these things. It's going to be a zany one, I guess? Hang around for that. Also, the cats are running around being kind of jerks right now, so that could be fun, too. As always, I'm your host, Eric Brink, and you are listening to Empty Checking. Hey there, checkmates. It's your old Uncle Derek coming to you on a night of some kind. That's, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, it's, 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 been a, it's been a long week. Uh, you got an upload a couple days ago, as I'm recording this intro anyway, that was just me saying sorry that I don't have a show ready to go for you, basically. Uh, time has uh, been a uh, non-linear concept. You can hear running around in the background, my cats, McGuire and Jonko. There they go. Now they, uh, I was, I worked from my office today. I drove into my office and left them home alone all day. And they've been a little bit moody since I got home. Uh, <laughs> so they are going to be taking that out on me for this whole episode, I'm sure. Uh, when I first got home, every time I tried to pet Jonko, he acted surprised like he wasn't sure who I was. <laughs> he was just kind of being a jerk that way. And uh, McGuire, I'm not sure how this punishes me, but was just digging and digging and digging in the litter box. Not like thr- throwing litter around the room or anything, just digging. I don't know, not sure how that punishes me, but I, I support him in his uh, effort to be anarchistic and to uh, spite his dad. Uh, but the cats are doing good. They're, 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 doing, they're doing good. They're doing well. They, uh, they had a visitor this past week. <laughs> hey, guys. They had a visitor this past week because I'm trying to get them a little bit more socialized. They're, uh, they're COVID babies. They knew their foster mom and then me, and the second time they met me, I took them away from their foster mom. So they're uh, a little bit shy around guests. But uh, the guest that they had was, uh, was their foster mom. So uh, she came by to pay him a visit. Hi, Kim, if you're listening. Uh, and let me know if you are, actually, because uh, I have weird experiences with people in my personal life when it comes to this show. Uh, I get emails from, you know, whoever, whatever rando writes into the show, or I should say whatever checkmate. Uh, you, you checkmates out there are more than randos to me. Um, but I don't, uh, a lot of times I'll be around and about somewhere, and somebody like in my day-to-day life will reference the show to me. Like, in a way that, like, they don't lead with, hey, I was listening to your show the other day. They'll go like, hey, remember when you said blah, blah, blah about this album? And I'll go, what? No, wait, did I? Did we talk about that? And they'll go, oh, no, no, on your podcast. And I'll go, oh, yeah. Uh, I have that experience a lot, that I don't know that people that I know in real life are listening to this thing. So uh, identify yourselves, people in my life, if you do. Uh, what was I saying? Uh, hi, Kim. Um, <laughs> the, uh, Kim came by to visit the cats, see if they remember her and all that stuff. 
Uh, it turned out that they, I don't think they really did. Actually, I think John Coe kind of got there. He started to, he, he got comfortable a little bit quicker than he normally does. Um, but, uh, they didn't seem to, like, I was thinking she would walk through the door and they'd just be like, Mom! You know, and that's not quite what happened. Um, in fact, I was, uh, I was a little worried. Uh, I'm actually kind of low-key a little bit relieved that they didn't seem to recognize her because I was a little bit worried that, like, they'd see her and just go, oh, good, we get to go home, see ya, other guy, and just, like, <laughs> wanna, wanna go with her. So I was kind of like, oh, good, they love me. Uh, you know, a little bit. But uh, she came by for a visit and played with uh, John Coe for a couple hours. McGuire did not come out of hiding. He just stayed hidden. He's like, I don't know, there's there's a second person here, man. I don't, I don't know how this works. And, uh, but John Coe came out and, and played around and had a good time. He's, a he's my brave boy when it comes to people. McGuire's my brave boy when it comes to, uh, exploring the world immediately around him, but John Coe will come out and meet people. So, uh, uh, they're, they're, they're both doing good. I, I think they, uh, I think John Coe ended up enjoying having a guest. Uh, McGuire was very... Uh, quiet and peaceful during the uh, during the time. I knew right where he was hiding. He was hiding inside of their recliner, and so I kind of reached my hand in there and pet him a little. And he actually I could feel him purring a couple of times. And so he was he was relaxed. He was okay, but he just didn't want to come out and you know see anybody because <laughs> he was like I don't, I don't know man, you know he's just like that. But that's okay. The the boys are doing all right. They're they're happy. They're healthy. They're eating stuff, and uh, you know that's it's. it's it's all fine. Um, they're going to, uh, the boys are going to have a weird week this week. I told you I was in the office today, so they've been a little grumpy with me. Uh, tomorrow, my brother is coming over and we're recording another Fab 15 episode. You will not hear it next, but you'll probably hear it in two episodes from this one. Uh, by the way, thank you to everybody who gave me really positive feedback on the soundtracks episode. That, uh, that made me happy. It seems like a lot of you people out there enjoyed it. I got a number of people agreeing with the choice for Footloose to be the number one soundtrack of all time. I don't know how that wasn't on my own list, but I'm glad it was on Dave's because he was right. Uh, and got, you know, got some good responses from folks out there. So thanks, everybody, who did that. Uh, maybe at some point I'll read one or two of the comments on the show, but not right now because this is going to be a weird one and all over the place. But Dave's going to be over tomorrow and we'll record another episode. And uh, then uh, on Saturday, guess what? A small miracle is happening. My couch that I ordered on March 23rd that I've been waiting on for months, and I got rid of my old couch on week three of that wait because they told me it'd be there in three to four weeks, and it's still not here. My couch is going to arrive on Saturday, so they tell me. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I hope that's true. Um, the, the plan is for the couch to arrive on Saturday, and I'm excited and the cats aren't going to know what to do with it because they probably don't remember having a couch at this point. So it'll just be this new big thing in the room. Uh, I'm sure that they'll just, you know, climb all over it and scent mark it and hide under it and stuff within no time. But it'll be new and exciting for them. It's uh, At this point, it's kind of new and exciting for me. I'm not sure I'll remember how to work a couch, uh, but uh, <laughs> it'll be here. Which has me reorganizing my living room a little bit because I kind of got used to the space being open. And I kind of like having the space open, so I'm kind of, I'm rearranging so the couch can go into, uh, kind of against a wall rather than out in the middle of the room, and it'll, it'll, uh, op just leave the space kind of open, and I, I like that. So, 
uh, that's what I'm doing. I'm working on that, uh, which is a lot more work than it should be, because really all I need to do is move an area rug out into the center of the room, just kind of tilt it. Uh, you're like, turn it, like rotate left if you're in Microsoft Publisher. That's all I need to do with the area rug. But the problem is the area rug is underneath a uh, seven guitar guitar stand, two uh, large speakers, a TV entertainment system with TV on top of it, and a card catalog and a uh, coffee table and a cat tree that I'm not sure where it's going to go just yet, but it'll have to go somewhere. So there's a lot... Uh, a lot weighing down that carpet, and uh, I've got to get that carpet out from under there, and then see what I can do to get the dents from the furniture out of it. You know how furniture leaves dents. I've read a few things online that I'm going to try, but uh, I've got to I got to do that, and then the couch will be here on Saturday. It's funny because I only very recently decided that I wanted to rearrange the room like that. It's it's funny. I've been waiting for this couch for over two months. And uh, now that it's uh, on its way, I'm not ready. <laughs> I'm, I'm not ready for it, because I have stuff that I just decided I'm going to do. Uh, such is Derek. But that's uh, that's where we are. We're going to have a couch soon. The cats will probably like it. I'm going to like it, I think. Right up until the cats claw their way through it, which is inevitable. Uh, lots of stuff happening this week, man. A lot going on in my personal life. I hope your personal life is treating you well and you're having a good time and, uh, all of that stuff there. Uh, hey, if you, uh, like this show and you want to know more about it, there's a companion blog over at emptychecking.blogspot.com. The show itself is hosted at emptychecking.podbean.com. If you want to know more about me, you can go over to derekbrink.com and there's plenty of stuff to click on there particularly about my music career, and if you like the music that you're hearing throughout the show, it is all stuff that I wrote, and it is all available for absolutely free over at uh, derekbrink.bandcamp.com. You just have to enter zero as your purchase price. I don't collect your email address. I won't even know that you took it. I would just love it if you loved it. And of course, you can listen to this show on whatever fine podcasting app you are listening to it on right now. We're on all of the major ones. I think. So uh, that's all the business, all the stuff that I got to do. We've got a good show for you. Uh, well, well, we've got a good outline. I can't say anything about the show. The show hasn't happened yet as I'm talking to you. Uh, but we're, we, uh, we've at least got a good outline. And you know what? I just lied to you there because I already recorded some of this and I think I liked what I got. But any anyway, look, uh, keep listening to the thing. You've already come this far. You're over 10 minutes in. You're still listening to the thing. So wh why not make it to the end? It's going to be a good one. Sit back, relax, grab your drink of choice, be it water, be it milk, be it, like myself, a Pabst Blue Ribbon beer this week, because I was feeling kind of trashy, and uh, just a, a whiskey, wine, whatever you like, whatever you like and are allowed to drink. Uh, grab that, maybe make yourself a nice little sandwich during this music break. It's about 30 seconds long, and uh, when we come back, we'll be talking about some music stuff. How's that sound? Sounds good to me, and I'm the only one in the room right now. Yeah. Uh -huh. 
whole lot of music has come into my life in the past couple of weeks, and I want to talk to you about some of it. A lot of it's new, and some of it is not as new. And some of it is new, but also old at the same time, because that's how Neil Young works. But we're not there yet. What we're going to start with is the new album by a favorite band of mine, and possibly also yours, if you're anything like me. The new album by Drive-By Truckers called Welcome to Club 13. There go the cats. Welcome to Club 13. Welcome the number two Club XIII. I think that they think they're doing a Prince thing by doing that, but I'm not sure. Uh, it's, uh, it's a Drive-By Truckers album. I love the Drive-By Truckers. They're a great band. Good Americana kind of roots rock. Eh, roots rock is the wrong word for it, but uh, uh, Americana is probably the best word for it, even though a lot of people who play Americana hate being called Americana. They're a, a good southern rock band, but I don't think they like being called that either. Uh, they're a, <laughs> but that, that gives you a flavor of it if you don't know who they are. They've been around for a long time. I've been a fan of theirs since, I think, 2005, and I've seen every St. Louis show that they've done, that they've headlined, I should say, since that time. Uh, I think I missed them when they opened for Tom Petty once is the closest I've gotten to missing a Drive-By Truckers show uh, in St. Louis. But uh, they, they're back with a new album, Welcome to Club 13. They'll actually be back in St. Louis in July, and I'll be going to that. So, uh, uh, the new album. Let's talk about the new album. It's uh, their last few albums have been very politically motivated by the, you know the previous uh, uh, resident of the White House. Uh, they uh, they they took issue with uh, Sir uh, Jerk Guy and just wrote music coming out of that. Wrote protest music. Started refer to the, referring to themselves as the dance band of the revolution or the dance band of the resistance. Pardon me. Okay, cats. Making all kinds of noise because they know that they know that you're listening, um, but yeah, they uh, they their, their last three albums have been very politically motivated, and on this one they took a step back from that and got a little bit back to the uh, just sort of storytelling type song that got them where they are to the point that they could be political. Um, although it's always been there, I don't know how people have missed it, but whatever. It's a little bit of a different take. It's back to kind of. Just telling stories about what our early days were like and that kind of thing. Uh, the Club 13 referenced in the name of the album and the title track is a club that they used to play. And that's yeah, that kind of gives you an idea of what mindset is on this album. Just telling old stories and stuff like that. And a few new stories. And there's a little bit of a uh, uh, political slant here or there. But, you know, blinking you'd miss it just like they used to do. Uh, I'll, I like it a lot. It's, uh, it, it actually, there's parts of it that remind me of, uh, the Southern Rock al Opera album, if I can say that, Southern Rock Opera album. I don't know why that's hard for me to say. They, uh, they return to just kind of the classic DBT that we all got used to, and God bless them for that, you know? It's a good album. It's dark in places, it's happy in places, it's, uh, happy in sound, but singing about dark stuff in other places... It's a DBT album, and that always makes me happy. And me talking about it seems to be making the cats mad. So we're going to move on. But welcome to Club 13. Certainly a welcome addition to their catalog, and uh, I'm, I'm happy that I've got it, and maybe you will be too if you give it a chance. I now want to move on to talk about really the guy who kind of founded what DBT does, um, even though he's from Canada, 
not from the States. He's not a Southern rocker. He's just a rocker uh, or a folk rocker sometimes. Uh, he does various things. I want to talk to you about Neil Young. I, uh, I seemingly always want to talk to you about Neil Young. I want to talk to everybody about Neil Young all of the time. I love Neil Young. He put out three live albums in the last month or so. Uh, put them all out at the same time from his archives. One is from January 30th, 1971. Uh, the next is from February 1st, 1971. Those two albums have almost identical set lists uh, or song lists. There is one song extra on one of the albums. These cats are gonna keep making sounds like that. <laughs> They're fine. They're just running around, I promise. Uh, yeah, so Neil has two albums, back-to-back -back days, basically, that he put out, live albums from 1971. And the third one is from uh, 1974, March 16th, 1974, so a little bit later and a much different list. All solo acoustic shows, which is kind of how I like Neil Young best. I'm a little bit puzzled about the two that are released from back-to-back -back nights, because they really are genuinely very close to just being the same set, uh, with one album having a different, like, one extra song on it, and the set lists are slightly shuffled, but just two different nights in different places, but same tour, same basic song list. And then the one from 1974 is from uh, the Bottom Line Club, and it sounds like he's playing in a bar, because he kind of is. It's, uh, it's an interesting set of releases. It's an interesting snapshot of a very productive time in Neil's career. The albums, incidentally, are individually titled uh, Royce Hall, 1971, Dorothy Chandler Pavilion, 1971, and uh, Citizen Kane Jr. Blues, which uh, departs from that uh, format. But uh, cool albums. Always cool to hear Neil Young doing the live thing and doing it by himself. I always really enjoy hearing that, although I will say on, I think, the... Uh, I think it's the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion album. He... Neil Young, especially at that point in his career, had a habit of talking a lot between songs and not always in an effective way or a way that uh, added to the show. He just kind of would ramble. And uh, a lot like I'm doing now. But he would just kind of just kind of go. And he, he uh, these albums kind of capture that in a way that, like, Neil, I don't think... I mean, are you even paying attention to what you're saying? You know, that's kind of the, the criticism I have of that, uh, of Neil when he's by himself, is he sometimes gets a little bit... A uh, little bit uh, spacey and just kind of just kind of talking and just kind of going, but, and that's that's present on at least one of these. I think two of them, in fact. I'm getting them all mixed up in my head because I bought them all at the same time. I listened to them all at the same time. Actually, one was a birthday present, so I got them all at the same time. I should say, and I listened to them all at the same time, and it was uh, they're all blending together in my head because it's all kind of the same. But I love it because it's Neil Young, and uh, I had a good time listening to all three of them. Uh, I, if you're a Neil Young person, you need to hear his live stuff, because that's his songs in their purest form, and I just, just check it out, man, just check it out. A lot of this is, uh, a lot of the first two, anyway, that I mentioned are off the Harvest record before Harvest came out, and it's just kind of, it's always fascinating to hear Neil just boldly playing unreleased material to his audience and just seeing how it goes over. I, I love that aspect of Neil Young. And it's very, very present on these releases. 
Enough about that. I talked about three albums at once there, so let's go back to talking about just one album at a time for a little while. Sticking in the Americana genre, that's fun to say, Americana genre, or a folk rock genre, or something like that, uh, we've got a new release from Craig Fenn, who normally fronts the Hold Steady, but has a fairly prolific solo career as well. This release by Craig Fenn called A Legacy of Rentals, which is a great title. Uh, it's very laid back. It's very kind of sparse in places, but there are also parts of it that kind of make you want to dance. It's, it's a very different vibe from The Hold Steady. Not that The Hold Steady doesn't do that kind of thing too, but Craig is just... You can tell that it's just kind of him and him doing whatever he wants to do on his solo records, and I always enjoy that. But at the same time, you still get that great, that great Craig Finn storytelling. Like, he's just known for how he, he kind of talks things... And doing that, he just tells a lot of stories and kind of creates a world that you can almost, from album to album, just kind of name the cast of characters that he's created and put in there, some of whom I'm sure are probably real people. He uh, he just tells really interesting stories in his lyrics and always has in whatever band he's doing it in. The ones that he tells in his solo career seem to be a little bit more personal, uh, or if not personal, they feel more personal, because maybe this is all entirely fiction. Maybe he's just doing short story writing. I don't know. But it feels more uh, intimate. Maybe that's the word. feels more intimate in his solo career, and I've greatly appreciated getting to know that side of him as uh, as his albums have been coming out. A Legacy of Rentals is the most recent one. It's really good. Uh, the, uh, the opening track, uh, Messing with the Settings, is uh, one of my one of my favorites on the album. Uh, I also like the year we fell behind in particular, and uh, 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 a break from the barrage. Had trouble saying that. I think the B alliteration got in my way. I, uh, I I I just really like the album. It's a nice mellow listen, man. But again, even being a mellow listen, there are some tracks on there that make you want to get up and dance. Got a little bit of a groove to them. Don't you want that? Don't you want a nice, mellow dance party? Maybe you don't. I don't know if I want that, but I got that, and it's really good. So check it out, Craig Finn. Listen to a guy talk sing in a really interesting way with uh, good hooks. That's what you're getting on a Craig Finn album. Uh, Legacy of Rentals, great album, really enjoying it. Uh, another one, this one's going to take me a minute, that came out very recently is the new album by Block Party, Alpha Games. Block Party is one of those bands that I listened to their first album the year that it came out, which I think was like 2005, and then uh, completely fell off my radar. I just, whatever reason, didn't follow up on the first album. I really liked that album. I recently re-listened to it because I saw that they had a new one and went, yeah, that's a really good album. I'm going to pick up the new one and see if you see how they've changed in the past however many years it's been. And uh, in some ways, they've changed... Hardly at all. In other ways, they've changed quite a bit, but fundamentally, you can tell it's still the same writing vision. I think the membership of the band has fluctuated a little bit, but you can tell that like the author is still there. You know, uh, it's a they're kind of a guitar-based band, like kind of a guitar rock band, but with elements of electronica and other stuff seeping into their music, and that's all very much on display on Alpha Games as well, and uh, if I haven't, if I, I, I'm not listening to myself talk, so if I hadn't said the name of the album yet, Block Party Alpha Games is the name of the album, Alpha Games, 
And uh, just really catchy songs, really fun songs. The first three tracks are uh, uh, Day Drinker, Traps, and You Should Know the Truth. Those three tracks, worth the price of admission alone. Just a great opening to the album. There's a song or two on here that I don't love as much. Uh, the song Sex Magic, I find the hook really irritating. But uh, otherwise... A strong B plus of an album, maybe an A minus. It's it, it was nice to kind of, I like I I feel like I almost benefited from the time away from the band to come back and just be kind of bowled over by how good they still are, you know. And I looked at their Wikipedia after kind of getting the new one and realized, oh, there's only been like five albums. They took some significant time off in there, so that that doesn't feel as overwhelming as when you go away from a band for a little while and you look and there's like 15 albums you're like oh shit i'm never going to catch up why bother even trying you know i have that all the time and people probably have that with me as a musician as well but uh, these guys only have a handful of albums and i kind of appreciate that because i i like this new one i like alpha games so much that i kind of want to go back and check out the other albums you know so uh uh it's it's a great album It'd be a great jump-on point. You don't need to know everything else, but it's going to make you want to hear everything else because that's what it's doing for me. And uh, Block Party. I slept on them. I just slept on them after the first album, and I shouldn't have because they are still really, really good. And I'm looking forward to filling in the gaps in the years between when they released what I'm sure is also really, really good music. So a uh, new one by Block Party. Definite win in my book. I also want to talk to you just briefly about uh, some new music I got from a band that I've already mentioned on the show a couple episodes ago. I want to talk to you about a couple albums from Chamber Band. Chamber Band I got into, in case you didn't remember this or in case I didn't say it, uh, I got into them because the uh, musician Mark with a C on his Twitter feed has a kind of current listening thread that he posts in, whatever he's spending that day, and he was playing the album Governor's Square by Chamber Band, and just something about the album cover attracted me to it, and I listened to it, I streamed it, and liked it, and immediately bought the download, you know? And uh, I kept listening to it, and kept listening to it, and kept listening to it. Very kind of folk, folky type thing. It's, uh, I think I've described them, I maybe even described them in the pr prior episode when I was talking about Governor Square as being what the Decemberists think they're doing. And I like the Decemberists, but I, a chamber band seems to be doing what the Decemberists think they're doing. Um, so yeah, Governor Square. I just got hooked on that album and was listening, listening, listening. And I went to their Bandcamp page and decided, you know what? I want to see if there's physical products out there because I'm enjoying the download. But I, I, if I can get a physical product to put on my shelf, I want to do that. And they were selling vinyl copies of Governor Square. Apparently they only did a limited run, but they were selling them, and I thought, that's great, I'm going to pick up a vinyl copy. And I sent away for the vinyl. And the uh, person who contacted me, sort of in the interim there, said, hey, I, you got your order, it'll go out in a couple of days, I currently have COVID, but I'm going to ship it shortly, you know, appreciate your patience, basically, and I was kind of, I, I actually didn't even reply to that, I was just like, oh, cool, yeah, fine, the world is what it is, that's fine, uh, I can deal with that from an indie band, you know, and uh, so I just kind of waited and kind of put it out of my head, to be honest with you, I just kind of didn't think much about it until one day a package shows up for me, and I open it up, and out comes the Governor's Square vinyl, which I was, you know, thrilled to have because it was really cool. But, like, 
You know how sometimes you pick up a package and you realize there's more in here than what I thought there was going to be? I had that. So the out came the vinyl record, but with it, out came two CDs uh, of some of their other stuff, the, the album's Careers and Deities, or Deities, depending on where you're from. Uh, th those two CDs came out, and they also gave me a free T-shirt. I paid 20 bucks for a vinyl record, and they gave me two free CDs and a free T-shirt. The T-shirt is too small for me. There's no way in hell I'm ever going to fit inside of a medium, but it was such a nice gesture, I'm keeping the shirt. I just, I was really just, when you, you know, when you deal with smaller bands or indie bands or bands like that, that aren't necessarily a household name, that's the kind of fan service you get, man. And not always, but when it counts, you, you just have these lovely little moments with these bands that you discover and it's, and it's great. And I, at that point, replied to the email and said, hey, thanks so much. Glad it seems like you're getting over your COVID bout. I had it back in January, and it messed, messed me up for a while. I'm glad you're doing okay. Thank you so much for the extra stuff you put in. You really didn't have to do that, but I really, really appreciated it. You know, and they just replied back and said, Hey, our pleasure, man. Thanks for listening. And that's, uh, that's cool. That's cool that when you find a band that'll do that. And Chamber Band did that for me. A couple of bands have done that for me over time. Always the indie acts. Always the small acts. It's never... Uh, it's never The Who, who I would do anything for. It's never Pink Floyd. It's never Pearl Jam. It, well, it's sometimes Pearl Jam, if you deal with them directly. Uh, which I haven't, but I know people who have gotten nice rewards from them if they're in the fan club or whatnot. But, uh, you know, it's it's usually not your stadium bands, you know? Like, U2 isn't gonna do that, you know? But, uh, Chamber Band did. And I really like the albums. I'll tell you, uh, Careers is very, very different from Governor's Square. It's a lot more electric and kind of up and, you know, bouncy and stuff. Uh, Deities is somewhere in the middle ground between the two. And uh, it's just really interesting kind of hearing the different moods of the band and the different tones of the band. And I'll tell you this, every tone that they do is great. I'm so glad that Mark with a C, who is great in his own right, I, I've talked about him on the show before, I think, uh, I'm so glad that Mark with a C accidentally introduced me to this band. And I even went back to his Twitter feed and said, hey, th this post is the first I'd ever heard of Chamber Band, and I'm currently addicted to Governor Square. Thanks so much for posting that. And he was like, yeah, my pleasure, you know, because he's a good guy too. Uh, and actually, he's another guy that when I ordered some stuff, uh, he was going through some health stuff. He's actually still going through some health stuff, but I won't get into that. It's not my story. But it, it took a little while for that to come out, so they threw in a couple extra CDs there, too. The indie acts just do that sometimes, folks. If you deal with good people, you get the benefit of, of supporting a good person, you know? And that's not the reason that you should buy stuff from indie acts, but it sure makes it a lot more fun when it happens, you know? Uh, but Chamber Band. Really great music. Really great albums. Turns out, also really great people. So I just wanted to say that and say thank you to uh, the good folks over there. I think it's really more of a guy right now, but I, I, you know, I'm I'm pluralizing because it's supposed to be a band. Uh, if it's if it's not, I actually think they're currently inactive. But whatever. I just want to say thank you very much to Chamber Band. If anybody involved with the organization hears this really meant a lot to me as a fan. And, like, that's... Uh, maybe if you've still got my address on file, I take a size XL. But, uh... 
I'm kidding. I don't, I, I'm not going to complain. That was, it was such a nice gesture, but I just, I just can't wear the shirt. So maybe it'll go up on my wall or something. But, uh, yeah, just really cool music and really cool people. Check out Chamber Band. Do that. Just Google them. Like, Google Chamber Band Bandcamp. That's how I found their Bandcamp page. And that'll get you there. So, uh, uh, it, it's, it's good music and good folks. And we've got a lot of good music that we just talked about. And, uh, I am now done talking about all that music. That, uh, I think I did that in record time. Even though we're at just past the half hour mark in the show. I uh, got through that a lot more quickly than I thought I would. I was a little bit worried that, man, what if I do just an hour on music, if I just kind of get going? And uh, I did not. So we've got time to talk about a couple of books, which I'm looking forward to, talk to talking to you about, because I enjoyed reading them. So now you're going to hear me say that in longer form after the break. I have a few books that I want to talk about sitting here in a pile in front of me. As I was uh, sitting here between things, I outside I'm hearing a bird chirping really loudly. I don't know if that's coming through on the microphone, but it's uh, it's like getting dark outside, and there's just this bird loudly chirping, and it's really irritating. Like that bird is really pissing me off, and I I don't. I'm sorry if you can hear that. There's nothing I can do. I've got to get this thing done, and there's just there's just this bird out there. Uh, anyway, a couple of books I want to talk to you about. Uh, I've got two by Neil Gaiman and one by Mel Brooks. That's what we're doing. Uh, Neil Gaiman, uh, I've talked about on the show in the not-too-distant past, I think end of last year sometime, really diving into his bibliography in a way that I never have before. I'd read bits and pieces of things here and there, I have all of the recently released uh, watercolor covers from William Morrow, and I've just been working my way through the through the series in kind of a weird order. Uh, the first one of the two that I read that I want to talk about is a book called Smoke and Mirrors. It's a short story uh, compilation. The subtitle on it is Short Fictions and Illusions. Uh, a book that has a lot of magic in it and a lot of kind of fantasy type stuff in it that I really enjoyed. Uh, it's a short story book, so it's hit and miss. There's great stuff and there's stuff that I just kind of, I feel like he wrote before, like right before he headed out for lunch on a Tuesday and just kind of called it good enough. You know, there's a little bit of that, but the overwhelming majority is great. I really enjoyed so many of these stories. Uh, I'll tell you, it's been a little bit hard to read lately because the cats are around and they don't love it when I sit idle for too long. They like to stick their face in my book and say, hi, dad, play with us. So uh, it's, it's sometimes a little bit hard to read, but I did manage to make it through the three books I'm talking about. The uh, uh, Smoke and Mirrors, I'm not going to talk about the stories that I didn't like as much because who cares? I want to talk about the stuff that I did like, and it's entirely possible that if you read the book, you'll really like the stuff that I didn't like, so I don't want to set a false expectation for you, but I really enjoyed, uh, especially the, just this, I, I, I especially enjoyed this stuff, is the sentence I'm trying to get out of my dumb mouth. 
there's a story hidden in the author's comments at the front of the book. Because uh, with his short story volumes, he does an author's introduction at the very front where he just talks about each story in its own little kind of section. And, you know, you kind of, you can read that all in a sitting, or you can read that and then read the story and go back and forth. And that's what I did. I would read his introduction in the intro section, and then I would skip over to the story and read the story, and then skip back and read the introduction for the next one. So on and so on. In the author's introduction, he hid a short story called The Wedding Present that I really enjoyed. That, uh, probably spoilers, by the way, throughout the whole Neil Gaiman section... Uh, in The Wedding Present, he describes a couple that got married and got a mysterious gift that is an envelope with an alternate telling of their wedding, that is, things going wrong in the wedding. And they're like, well, that didn't happen, but we don't know who sent this. It's kind of interesting, so let's keep it. And they kept it and set it aside. And over the years, they would occasionally come back to the envelope and look and look at it on anniversaries and things. And they would find that the story had changed. And it would be about the last chunk of their marriage since they last read it. And it would be a much darker version than what they actually lived out. And so they're kind of seeing what might have been if things had gone wrong in the envelope when they, when they open it. And it was a really interesting story and really fun and a little creepy and, and upsetting. And uh, I, just, I, I just really enjoyed it. I liked that one a lot. Another one I liked in it is one that was actually just recently made into a graphic novel that I want to get my hands on, because this is such a charming story and so much fun. Uh, a story called Chivalry, which basically an old woman uh, accidentally buys the Holy Grail at a second-hand shop. And uh, Sir Galad, G-A-L-A-A-D, instead of Galahad for some reason, I guess uh, licensing? Who knows? Sir Galad shows up and tries to convince her to give the grail to him. Like, he's trying to, he's, he's on the quest for the grail, and this old lady bought it at a second-hand shop, and he's trying to get it from her. It's very cute and very charming and very fun, and I'd really like to read the graphic novel. I, I loved that one. That was, that was a lot of fun. Uh, one that's a lot darker and sadder that I enjoyed is, is a story called The Price, which is about... It seems to be semi-true, because Neil is writing in a very first-person perspective, and uh, I know that he's a cat person. It's about a cat that shows up at his house, and that he, you know, kind of adopts and takes in, and the cat starts turning up injured, wounded, missing patches of fur, you know, bleeding, and that kind of thing. And it just keeps happening, no matter what happens. Whether he finds him on the porch, or whether he takes him inside for the night, the cat just ends up injured. And he finally has the cat out all night and, from a distance, watches the cat with night vision goggles and finds that the cat is being accosted by demons. Like, you know, evil, an evil presence is coming up and confronting the cat, and the cat is growing in size and fighting off the evil presence, protecting the family on the inside. And just at, at the price of its own happiness and health, the cat is taking care of them. And I really liked that story anyway, but I also read it in uh, the first week that I had my cats home. Like, they had just gotten here, and I was sitting in their room with them, and I read that story and just went, aw, you know, and <laughs> like my heart kind of crumbled. Uh, I was very glad to see in the author's introduction that Neil said, uh, yes, I caught up with the cat recently, and he's very happy. He's retired and found a family. 
you know, and <laughs> yeah, so he kind of did a postscript that like, hey, I, I, I get why people think this story's sad. Uh, it turns out the cat's happy, as he kind of did years later in his introduction. I appreciated that. I enjoyed that story a lot, and it also kind of hurt my heart a little bit, because I got my little guys around now, and that, that little guy was doing such important stuff and, and getting hurt doing it. Poor little guy. Uh, another uh, a story in it, uh, Troll Bridge is a story about a kid who stumbles upon a troll who wants to eat his life away, and the kid convinces the troll to let him go so that he can have a longer life, and therefore the troll can have more life to eat. That's the basic premise of it, and the kid keeps occasionally coming back to the troll. A lot of fun. Really enjoyed it. Uh, I'm trying to speed this up a little bit because I could be all day here. Um, there's a... Uh, one of the stories is uh, on my little page of notes. I just wrote down The Goldfish Pool, but I think it's a longer title than that. Let me pull it up. Oh, just the goldfish pool and other stories. In the author's introduction, Neil says that uh, this is a semi-true story. There's more truth to it than you would think. Uh, and it's, uh, it's one of the longest stories in the book. It might be the longest story in the book. It's about an author who's in Hollywood trying to write a movie treatment for his book that has sold very well. And it's going very poorly. Uh, there's a, a, a mystique and a mystery to it, but it's basically the author is confronting idiots in the movie industry, but staying in this hotel that has a little bit of a ghost story attached. Uh, that is such that is such a poor summary of it, but I, I don't know how to go into more detail without completely blowing it or spending all day telling the story because it was really engrossing. Uh, but really just that little bit there is all I can tell you without telling you the whole thing and spending way too long on it. I may as well just read it if I start doing that. But I really enjoyed that story. It was one of my favorites in the book, also one of the longest. Uh, he touches on the Cthulhu mythos in here a couple of times. I won't bother you with that, except that he does a good job with the Cthulhu mythos and often makes it a little bit fun and silly. And uh, I enjoyed that. There's a story in here called We Can Get That For You, or Get That, or Get Them, I think, For You Wholesale, about a guy who's trying to hire, you know, he's trying to contract a killer, and the killer keeps upselling him, telling him, well, if you have us kill two people, there's a price break. Well, if you had us kill five people, there'd be another price break. And just keeps, like, upping it and upping it, and the guy just keeps thinking of more people to kill. And uh, it's very dark and and weird, but also funny, and I enjoyed it. And uh, the last one that really jumped out at me is uh, called Murder Mysteries, which is a murder mystery, but it's involving the angels in heaven. There's been a murder in heaven, and the angels are the only ones who are, who are suspects, and it's just, that's, that's what it is. And I, uh, I enjoyed that one quite a bit. It, uh, it made me think and had some things in there that I thought were really worth thinking about. There's also uh, one of the stories in there that is very highly regarded is a story called Snow Glass Apples, uh, which is a reimagining of Snow White from the point of view of the stepmother, uh, and like Snow White is evil. There are adult themes, there's vampirism, there's uh, necrophilia. It really goes off the, off the wheels, and uh, uh, that was not one of my favorites, but as far as a Neil Gaiman story, it was very well constructed, and I see why people like it so much. But the ones that I just highlighted there... Those were my favorites. I felt like I would be remiss if I didn't mention Snow Glass Apples because that's one of the ones that everybody talks about. But uh, just that, that one wasn't quite for me, but I did enjoy the construction of it. Uh, I just thought it, I just I, I just had some struggles with it. But 
for the most part, I really enjoyed Smoke and Mirrors. It was a great read, a lot of fun. It turns out, I, I, I'm not a big fan of short stories, to be honest with you, because I often want to walk around in short stories. It takes me forever to finish a, a short story book, whether or not I have cats in the house. Uh, this one would have been a lot faster without the cats because I was enjoying it so much. I really enjoy Neil Gaiman's short stories, and Smoke and Mirrors has some great ones in it. But if you ask me, which you did not, where Neil Gaiman really shines is in his long-form writing. And I read what I believe was his first novel, uh, Neverwhere, recently. Uh, in fact, I read that over a course of, I think, just about three days. I couldn't put it down. Really enjoyed it. With it being an earlier work of his, I was a little bit worried about that, because often someone's earliest work is not their best, you know? So I was a little worried, well, maybe this won't be the tone that I like, etc., etc., Turns out Neil Gaiman has always had a great tone. Uh, I really enjoyed the book. Neverwhere basically is about a guy named Richard who is living a very henpecked wife with his fiance until one day he sees a, a woman lying unconscious on the ground who turns out to be the heroine of our story. Her name is Dor, D-O-O-R. He helps her and his fiance immediately leaves him as a result. And from that point on, his entire life becomes different. No one that he knew in his previous life can remember him. People can barely even see him anymore until he ends up going underground to what is known as London Below, where Dor lives. And what follows that is a strange adventure story with larger-than-life characters and a lot of danger, and Richard is trying to get his life back, but... Really, does he want it back? Because this seems so much more interesting, you know? And it's very fun and engrossing, and I, like I said, I just couldn't put it down. Um, the one thing, the one criticism I would give it, I have absolutely no idea why it's called Neverwhere. That word never pops up in the text, and that's very frustrating to me. But uh, uh, otherwise, I love it. It's a great, great book, great story. I believe they made a TV show out of it that I'm going to have to track down because I, I want to walk around in that story some more, but I don't have more book. So I, uh, I, I'm going to have to check out the TV show or miniseries or whatever it was, uh, and I'm looking forward to trying to pin that down. If anybody knows what that's streaming on, please let me know so I don't have to dig for it. But uh, that's the Neil Gaiman stuff that I read. There's one more book I want to talk about, and it's a complete shift from that. I want to talk to you about Mel Brooks's autobiography. Really, Mel Brooks' autobiography. Because when a name ends in S and you make it possessive, you put an apostrophe after the S. You don't add an additional S after that. So Mel, Mel Brooks' autobiography. That was a little language lesson for you there. Hope you enjoyed that. Uh, Mel Brooks' autobiography, All About Me, is the name of it. And it is what you think it is. It's Mel, in his own words, and his own voice, telling you all about his life, just telling stories about his life. I, I assume it's entirely Mel. I don't know if he had a ghostwriter of any kind, but the, if I did, then it wouldn't be a ghostwriter. Mel, it's just Mel telling stories about the significant moments in his career, and it goes completely uh, linear, completely in chronological order. I mean, he jumps around a little bit, like every now and again he'll mention someone who has passed on, and he'll say, yeah, we we lost this person, and I, I miss them dearly, and you know, he'll, he'll do that kind of thing. He'll, you know, touch on stuff that happened related to that person or to that situation that happened in a different time than what he's talking about. But so many autobiographies that I've read lately 
jump all over the place in time. And just, you know, the stories that relate to each other are more important than the order in which they happened. And a lot of autobiographies take that approach. Mel, for the most part, is entirely chronological, which I really appreciate. And I started reading and getting into it and kind of going, God, I love Mel Brooks so much. And <laughs> started reading about the shows that he did with said Caesar and your show of shows and uh, about his work on uh, Get Smart, which I always forget that he was involved in. And I just started wanting to, wanting to spend more time with Mel Brooks and I wanted to start watching his movies again. So he's actually given you a really convenient way to do that. The way that it's written is he'll write chapters really just based on whatever movie or TV show he's talking about at the time. So, like, there's a chapter for uh, the original producers, followed by The Twelve Chairs in a different chapter, followed by Blazing Saddles in the next chapter, followed by Young Frankenstein, and so on and so on and so on. The book is divided into talking about his life based on the movies. He'll just be writing about a movie and just tell you all about it. And uh, I loved that, and it, it gave me the inspiration to, basically, when I reached the end of a chapter, like when I reached the end of reading about the original 1967, I think it is, uh, edition of The Producers, I watched The Producers, the 1967 Producers, which is easy for me to do because I have absolutely all of Mel Brooks' published uh, movies on DVD here in the house, so it was easy to find. Uh, so, yeah, I, I read about the producers, I then watched the producers, and then I read about 12 Chairs, and I watched the 12 Chairs, and that's just how I've been living my life here this week, which means I've had a pretty damn good week, because I love Mel Brooks. I'll tell you this, some of his movies haven't aged great. There's some stuff that he definitely couldn't do now. I mean, you couldn't do any of Blazing Saddles now, even though it's probably the most anti-racist movie that's ever been made. But a lot of the stuff that he, you know, did at the time you couldn't do now. I don't think it's because Mel Brooks is <laughs> secretly a racist or anything like that. I think very much to the contrary, but just times have changed, and I think he probably would have changed with it. Uh, in fact, I think he probably has to whatever extent, because it, it seems he seems to speak very uh, 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 informedly in the book as he's writing, and he doesn't excuse stuff. He doesn't really apologize for much either, but he doesn't, you know, try to excuse it, you know? So that's, that's a guy who knows the times have changed and does, but just doesn't feel the need to make a big deal of that, you know? And I appreciate that. But I've had a really good time this week reading Mel Brooks and watching Mel Brooks. It's a really good time. I'll tell you this, it occurred to me that it would be great to do a Mel Brooks Fab 15, but unfortunately, Mel Brooks only did 13 movies to date, and that's counting the producers twice because he did the producers in 67 and the producers in, what, uh, like 2005, I think? So, uh, uh, you'd, I mean, maybe you could pull it off if you did, like, the movies and then also Get Smart and your show of shows. Maybe you could pull that off and, like, Dave and I could sit here and do a Fab 15 just ranking the Mel Brooks movies and talking about them. That might be fun. Or maybe I've just got a solo Mel Brooks episode coming up here sometime soon. Or maybe I'll bring Dave in for that. Anyway, maybe I'll bring over Dave and my dad and we can just talk about Mel Brooks. That might be fun. <laughs> Actually, Dave, Dad, if you're interested in that, please let me know. Uh, the, I, I, I love Mel Brooks and I... 
want to do nothing but sit here and talk to you about Mel Brooks. He's an American treasure, and I just... His movies feel like home to me, and I'm just really glad that we have them and that we'll have them forever because he's just a timeless genius, even if the times have moved on. Uh, All About Me is a great read, very engrossing and very quick of a read. It's 400 and some pages, but it doesn't feel like that. It doesn't feel overwhelming at any time, and it very much captures his voice. You can just, it's it's like he's sitting there on, on your couch talking to you. You know, that's that's a great that's a great autobiography. Really enjoyed it. And I think that many of you out there, I mean, I, I get emails and stuff from the checkmates and you all seem like really cool, nice, fun, funny people who understand a joke and uh, uh, and and in a good way, like, you know, not the way that the conservatives want you to. But, you know, you know what I mean? Uh, you seem like people who are fairly enlightened. And I think that probably if you're if you're not exposed to Mel Brooks first of all how did you do that but if you uh if you aren't and you want to be uh you 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 need to be you need to dive into young frankenstein and you need to dive into if nothing else space balls or <laughs> into to the producers or whatever uh just uh just a great voice i love mel brooks so much and i just i want to talk to you about him endlessly but we're approaching the hour mark here so i'm going to go ahead and wrap it up but uh, I'm loving reading all about me. I'm not quite done with it yet, so I don't know. Like, if there's a twist ending or something, you know, nobody spoil it for me. <laughs> but uh, I've really been enjoying it. And I think if you're a comedy fan, especially if you're a fan of Mel Brooks's stuff, uh, Mel Brooks stuff, there's that apostrophe again, uh, you owe it to yourself to read this book and to watch his movies. It's worth every moment of your time. So uh, that's that's been our our current reading. A little bit of Neil Gaiman, a little bit of Mel Brooks. It's been it's been a fun couple of weeks around here, just reading stuff that I'm I'm having fun reading, and I love to read, and I hope you love to read because it's really enriching, and uh, I've I've certainly found the the last couple of weeks to be very much that, very much enriching. so far It's so hard to be yourself When you don't know who you are I'm afraid I've lost my And that is the show, Checkmates. Thank you so much for making me a part of your week or month, or however you listen to this. I don't know. I'm not inside your head. Thanks for spending time with me. If uh, you have things that you want to say to me, I have have been made aware that some people leave comments on apps that I will never see because I don't go to every app and no app alerts me to those comments. If you want to say something to me, best way to do that is to email me at db, those are my initials, Derek Brink, db at derekbrink.com. I read every email I get. Uh, and I reply to every email that uh, isn't mean, and uh, (laughs) I like talking with the checkmates. Sometimes I even read your stuff on the show if I feel like I have license to do so, if you've, you know, made it clear that I have license to do so, or if you, you know, if I just think it's an interesting point of discussion. Uh, I never reveal full names, I never reveal email addresses, but I might read your email if you send something in, because I I enjoy that. So uh, thanks so much for listening. That uh, bird is chirping again.
Went away for a while, but he's chirping again, and one of the cats just meowed. Don't know if you could hear that. A lot of, a lot of sounds this week. A lot of background noise this week. Sorry about that. Probably drives one of you nuts, but it's just kind of how my life works right now. There'll be a couch in here soon. I'll be able to move into a room that's a little bit easier to control and all that, but this is how it's been for now. Hope you're still enjoying it. I'm still enjoying it. Uh, I'm still enjoying it very much. I like doing this. It's fun. So, uh, thanks. Uh, oh, since the last time we talked, it's, uh, my birthday came and went. I'm 42 now. 42. The, uh, answer to the great question of life, the universe, and everything. That's me. I'm 42. It's from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, if, uh, you don't know what that is. Uh, read. Read books. We just talked about books. Read books, and, uh, you'll have fun and no references when people make them. So, uh, yeah, it was my birthday. I'm 42 years old. I had a good time with my family and, uh, got, you know, some nice messages from friends and stuff and got cool gifts. So, uh, so there. <laughs> I don't have a lot else to add. I'm just looking forward to finally having a couch in this place. So, uh, the next time that we do this, you'll probably hear me sounding much more rested and comfortable because, uh, I will have been sitting on a couch instead of on a bar stool at my counter in my kitchen. So uh, uh, look forward to that. I'm looking forward to that. I hope you're looking forward to that. We will be back together again soon, and it'll be a good time. Until then, please continue to be responsible against what is uh, rising numbers in COVID. Uh, continue to do things that are responsible there, and you know what those things are. I don't need to remind you. Even if you haven't done them, you know what they are. So do those things. Uh, please remember that black lives matter, that trans rights are human rights, that women's rights are human rights, and that I shouldn't have to tell you any of that. And also, be good to each other, be good to yourself, forgive each other, and forgive yourself. And while you're doing all that, check us out next time. It's good to be the king.